Hi, I'm Johnny Pollard, and welcome to episode six of season two of the One Giant Mind podcast. In this episode, our show producer, Daniel Tucker, sitting behind the computer while recording these episodes, couldn't help himself and ask what was probably one of the most profound questions of the day. Why is it that it feels more easy and natural to feel fear than to feel love? Why is it that it's so difficult to sustain the experience of love? In this episode, I explore our biological predisposition, our relationship to the current way that we exist and ways that we can overcome this to reset our deepest nature of love. I hope you enjoy. Hi, my name's Dan. I practice meditation. I'm a one giant mind meditation teacher now. I'm living in Melbourne. My question is, I'm very familiar with thinking myself into states of anxiousness or, or fear. And I'm very familiar with the sensation of that causing the chemistry in my body um, of, of fear. I'm very familiar with thinking something sexual and that causing sexual chemistry in the body. And I've experienced these great states of love in through practicing meditation. And I'm wondering why is it that, that that's not something that flows naturally as these other states of fear and why like basically the question is why why are we so afraid of love whoa why are we so afraid of love there was a lot in that question firstly we have to challenge the assumption that it's our thinking that's triggering the physiological effect is it true to say absolutely that the mind is triggering anxiety that it's your thinking that's triggering anxiety or is uh, there something in the environment that's triggering you physiologically to feel unsafe and then that triggers a cascade of thinking that then reinforces or justifies your body sensations. We are always seeking evidence to reinforce our worldview and if in a moment our worldview is that I feel danger then we're going to seek evidence, if only in our own mind. It's a fascinating thing to investigate. Quite often, we catch ourselves thinking negatively about something, noticing that there is a correlating physiological sensation, and then arriving at a conclusion that I am broken in some way. Why do I think this? Why do I feel this? I'm hopeless. I'm terrible for thinking this. Or you could be just so completely engrossed in the drama and the narrative that's taking place in your mind that you just are swept up in it and there's no self-reflection at all. As a regular meditator, I imagine that the latter is a, a, more, or a less apparent thing or a, le a less commonly experienced thing. You're more aware of the fact that you're having these thoughts and body sensations and yet you feel some, somehow bound or trapped by that cycle. When we get caught up in the, in the idea that it's our thinking that triggers body sensations absolutely in that direction or that it's our body sensations that are triggering our thinking absolutely in that direction, we try to seek out a resolution to counter it 
Meaning that if I'm thinking negatively because of body sensations, for example, if I believe that that's, I've got anxiety in my body and so it's, it's causing me to think in a particular kind of way, then I'm only going to address the body. I'm going to primarily try and address the body to, to rectify the situation and not really pay terribly much attention to what's happening inside the mind and hope that when I alter the, the condition of the body, the, the mind will change and vice versa. If I'm uh, thinking negatively and noticing body sensations occur, then I'm going to try and change my thinking, be more positive in my thinking, and hopefully that will change it. The reality is that, going back to one of the statements that I made earlier, you can't resolve a problem on the level of thinking or feeling that it is occurring on. Meaning that there is no solution in the experience of thinking and feeling these things. The solution is the resolution. And the only way that we resolve our thoughts and feelings to harmonize with the truth of who we are is to gain access to the truth of who we are. Is to reference an experience that is beyond our thinking and feeling. So often we get caught up in the trap of our own mind trying to resolve experiences that we're having that we don't like on the level of thinking and feeling that they're occurring on by trying to impose a psychology, a veneer over the top of it or by you know, trying to force our body into, in, into some other state. The only way that we are going to really experience true freedom from this experience is to get into the habit of sliding beyond the realm of relative thought, meaning beyond the realm of thinking that takes a side or a position one way or another that is totally accepting of the body sensations and allows for complete surrender and witnessing of the experience that's taking place in the mind and the body. It's only through surrender, accepting, and feeling, or another word for feeling is witnessing, without judgment or need for change, a state of pure acceptance of the experience that we're having, enables us to slip through the cracks of our ideas of what we think is supposed to be happening or shouldn't be happening, to experience a state that is inherently coherent, orderly, and organizing, self-organizing. We want to move into a state that doesn't require any micromanagement of the experience that we're having, rather immerse ourselves in it and allow it and its coherent nature to acquire the dysfunction and organize the resolution automatically. Now this sounds abstract to anybody that hasn't yet had an experience of this state of being that we constantly refer to. Being is the underlying reality of who and what we are as human beings. We even call ourselves it. Mm. Human beings, not human doings not human thinkings, 
not human assumings, <laughs> but being. And inherent in the state of being is contained the, the resolution by direct experience of it. One only has to experience being to cause the effect of harmonization, of which you have experienced in many occasions. So, so in that situation, I guess I would say that I have the opportunity to buy into the thinking and allow that to convert my chemistry into fear chemistry and go right down that path, or I have Correct. the opportunity to like witness where I'm at and pull back into being and not buy into it. And therefore I, I have a choice whether I go all the way into the, the full expression of exactly. that chemistry. Um, it's just a matter of how long it takes me to realize that I've allowed that to happen and how much of it's already started to perpetuate that momentum's got going in the body. Exactly. Beautifully put. Couldn't have put it better myself. So then, um, because the opposite of that isn't necessarily love chemistry, is it? No, there's, there's, there's no absolute dichotomy. There's no absolute dichotomy, period, in the universe. You know, it's far more complex than just being one thing or another. Mm -hmm. um, however, love chemistry, oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, all of these, you know, wonderful chemicals that the brain produces that makes us feel ourself. And in um, uh, alignment with nature, meaning feeling connected and desiring to want to serve it. What I refer to as our, our baseline chemistry, it's uh, the most, most natural chemistry. The spike in cortisol and, and all of these adrenal products that uh, cause us to be on high alert are in response to a threat to danger. And they're only designed to be in our system for a very short period of time, a few minutes at most, to provide us with elevated capability to get ourselves out of danger. And if we are exposed to these chemicals for longer periods than that, more regularly than you know what we biologically evolved into experiencing which was every now and then you know we might be confronted with uh, a predator or we might be confronted with a famine in the tribe and if, the, if there was a famine in the tribe generally what occurred is one or a few tribal members were excommunicated which unfortunately meant certain death if the famine went for a long time they were asked to leave and to, to go far away for the betterment of the greater whole. And generally it was the one who contributed least and had fewer connections. Meaningful connections in the tribe was the one that was asked to, to leave. And, you know, this is a very real part of our current biological reaction, reactivity to feeling disconnected from our tribe we're triggering that memory that isolation or rejection meant death think about that think about how much it hurts when we're rejected it's one of the things that hurts the most why 
because it means death. <laughs> and it, and it, we biologically evolved for 1.8 million years like this. That when we had a rejection, it sent off the, oh my God, there it goes, I'm, I'm done for now. That's why we have such a, like a strong reaction to being rejected. Fascinating. And so we're, we're constantly rejected in this world. We are constantly rejected. And that sense of not belonging is perpetual. Even if we have a few close friends that we call our tight-knit community and whatever, all we need to do is like walk outside and walk down the street and experience a hostile stare from somebody. On some subtle level, we are having a strong biochemical reaction to that. Whether we are aware of it or not, we are having a triggered response that makes us feel like we are seriously at threat of dying. That's what's going on. And we don't acknowledge this openly. Our whole environment is not conducive to recovery in a way that we can stabilize that love chemistry all the time unless we develop a very particular regime that we are very, very diligent to keeping up and nurturing. And so what was the question? <laughs> uh, uh, why are we afraid of love? Okay. So we're not afraid of love. People, you know, there's this there's popular statement saying it's not that we're afraid of failure, it's that we are afraid of our power. We are afraid of our light. I don't buy that. I don't believe that we're afraid of our power. I believe that we are afraid of the responsibility of our power, but not our power itself. Nor are we afraid of love. Only the possibility that once we have love, we could lose it. But love itself as an experience, we're not afraid of. It's impossible to be afraid of love. It's impossible when we are immersed in love to be afraid of it because it is everything that we are. It's the truth. We don't fear the truth. We fear the consequence of the truth. We don't fear our power. We fear the responsibility of our power. The fear of failing if actually we don't live up to it. Anybody that's truly in their power is not experiencing fear of it. They're in their power. And if they're, not, if they're feeling fear while they're in their power, they're not in their power. <laughs> and so we, we need to be really clear about that. There's a sequence to it. So there's the, the fear is before it, not in it. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. The idea of it and the memory of something that we have experienced where we've had it and it, we've lost it. And the, the, the pain and the heartache of that transaction is the thing that's caused such turmoil in us to the extent that we, we don't want to go back there again for the fear that we could lose it again. Fear of lo loss of love and fear of... We'd rather go loveless and powerless than to have it and have it taken away from us again. And this is such a, a, a profound thing to consider. 
And we have to reconcile this within ourselves because what we realize then is like, oh, okay, I really am the only one that's holding me back here. And it really is only the story that I'm telling myself about my inability to recover from forgetting or losing love, forgetting my power of losing love. The reality is the only way that we come to stabilize love, self-love equals power, is by the process of remembering and forgetting. Remembering and forgetting. Remembering and forgetting. The only way that we ever come to fully realize how to stabilize it is through the process of remembering and forgetting. Because it's through the forgetting and then the remembering that we start to see the patterns and the cycles, the infrastructure in our ignorance. It's only when we can see the infrastructure of our ignorance that we can reverse engineer it, start to dismantle it, implement things that counter the, the, the cycle and the sequence that we engage in. And it's subtle and it's nuanced and it's different for every person. And it, it's incumbent on us as individuals to closely examine with compassionate attention, compassionate attention, not critical attention, with compassionate attention as to how it is that I justify one thing or another that is an experience that is undesirable. How am I justifying it? Where in my power can I transform this, this experience? Yeah. Thank you. Was that helpful? You're beautiful, yeah. Okay, great. Perfect. Special thanks to our show producer, Daniel Tucker, a.k.a. Spiritual Trady. Sky Tipler from MKT Communications for the use of their beautiful space. Ali Lieberman for this gorgeous music you're hearing. And all the One Giant Mind team. If you're uh, interested in learning to meditate and you don't have a practice yet, One Giant Mind supports you in two specific ways. You can download the free One Giant Mind Learn to Meditate app, which will take you through a beautiful 12-step process of learning a powerful technique. The alternative is to go onto the website, onegiantmind.com, and check out our teacher directory. We have teachers from all around the world offering courses on a weekly basis both online and in person. So if you can't find a teacher in your local area, you're certainly going to find one who's going to be able to teach you in a course they'll be running online. And finally, if you are a passionate meditator and you feel a calling to do something powerful in the world, we are calling for you to join us in our meditation teacher family to bring meditation to the world by participating in the One Giant Mind Meditation Teacher Training Program. In 12 weeks, we will empower you to be able to successfully teach anybody how to practice meditation and make it a daily habit. All that information can be found at onegiantmind.com.